I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hi, this is Greg Weissman, creator of Gargoyles and Reign of the Ghosts, and you're listening to Nerdy Show. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. And this is a listener-requested Nerdy Show episode where we're going to be talking about Doctor Who. I'm Cap, and I don't much care for it. I'm Nina, and I totally love it. I'm Brian. I'm a lifelong Whovian. I'm Tony, and I am a Whovian. My name's Adam Briggs. I'm not a fan. They're weird. <laughs> Stare. <laughs> I'm Doug. I'm also not a fan. I didn't really understand it, but then I realized that I hadn't really ever watched it. So I sat down and watched three series worth and going to report on my findings here tonight. And uh, full disclosure, Doug and Nina are married and are on the opposite ends of this discussion. So yes. for the attorney that is going to be processing your divorce later, this will be used as evidence. This is not admissible. Are <laughs> 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 <How> you think? <laughs> oh, I want to be there. Wait for the divorce? No. <laughs> Why would you say that, oh, Greg? I want to be there for your divorce. Apparently, he's that just anti-everything. Such you a shitty love shit. joy. <laughs> which is why he doesn't enjoy Dr. Who. Exactly. Because oh, he doesn't have any awesome. happiness in his heart. Oh, God. If we're getting a divorce, I want Matt and Foggy on my team. <laughs> Not fair. Half and half. No, you, Matt and Foggy are going to go against each other, sure. All right. <laughs> it's happened in the comics, dude. Yeah, I see you. Yeah, there you go, guys. Just saying. Yeah, it has more than a couple times. It's kind of their go-to thing. It's like, we need some drama in Daredevil. Have Matt and Foggy fight each other. You can get Birdman. Try Birdman. Man. Oh, dude, no, she's going to win. Have you Birdman? Dude, yeah. Falcon 7. Then I will retain both Birdman. Matt and Foggy and We're... Phoenix Wright, and then we will see. Ha <laughs> 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 ha, dangly parts. Coming up next, um, an episode all about fictional lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> Presented by Night Court. <laughs> <gasps> Have Night Court Law and Order. We could actually do a microsode really about could. fictional lawyers. We really I'm could. Just well, you know what to do, fans. If you want that, if you want a microsode about Doug litigate nerdyshow.com/slash/patreon <laughs> and drop the gavel. He wants us to get divorced. <laughs> what do you think? Text one to this. Number. <laughs> the stakes have never been higher. We'll see if she's still there in the morning. <laughs> 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 or perhaps if she has been spirited away by a fun-loving, time-traveling, wibbly-wobbly guy, and you'll be the next companion. Oh, timey-wimey, no, baby, baby. No <laughs> uh, uh, oh, bitch, it's I'll on. I'll take that. It's on. To, to, fuck, to name-calling already? Childish. <laughs> yes. Childish. Absolutely. It's pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, Absolutely. It, it's it's going to be one of those kind of nights. I'm just going to have everyone hate me. It's it's okay. I'm prepared. Have, I'm prepared. As though there is a journey to be made. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for gold. I want loathing entirely. 
This episode, Watch for better or okay. for worse, it's is uh, brought to you by Cork, who says, Love the Nerdy Show Network. I'm a longtime listener, but just now able to donate for the first time. For the Microsoft topic, I'd like a Doctor Who cast for my significant other, Samantha. Thanks for many, many hours of entertainment, everybody. You make my long days at work tolerable. Notice it was for his significant other, and not for himself. <laughs> That's very noble and nice of him as a spouse. Yes. Yeah, I'm just saying it's like wasn't it's, that nice of him? I'm uh-huh. detecting a, a hint of I don't really like it, so maybe you guys could talk about really? it. Really? Yeah, that's what you're I don't detecting know. from that? I don't know. <laughs> Let, that's... Like they share this and maybe it would have been a nice... It's not disclosed whether he likes it or not. That's it, okay. If you're a long-time listener of the show, you'll know that we don't normally have this many hosts on an episode, especially not one that's going to be this argumentative. But the fact is, we've been looking at doing this episode for a long time and the list of hosts interested in projecting their opinions about Doctor Who, positive or negative, was enormous. Just to carve it down to these six people in this room, it was an ordeal. So we're all here. We're going to see about being civil but um i don't need anything yeah this could be a very different kind of episode of dirty show (laughs) (laughs) so doctor who obviously a big subject the show's been around forever since 1963 it hasn't been on the air consecutively all those years but it ran from 63 to 89 then once in 96 and then it came back with a vengeance in 2005 and became a truly international phenomena yep covering far more than the uh the nice cluster of nerds who watch PBS really hardcore all those dark years. Don't remind me. They were dark. <laughs> it's okay, Brian. I'm here. here for I'm here. Yeah. I survived. So in this episode, we're going to do our best to cover the gamut of Doctor Who and talk about what makes it work, what's cool about it, and you know, also what could be, frankly, done better. Not so long ago, Cameron Leaf Mueller asked me to express an unpopular opinion I had about something in pop culture, and I finally aired my dirty laundry, which is that I don't like Doctor Who. I've got my reasons, but uh, we'll, we'll get into all that. So let's talk about the show in broad strokes. Let's assume that you've never heard anything about this. It's a lot of ground to cover, but uh, we want you to be able to listen to this even if you don't have an opinion on Doctor Who, which is also a valid stance. You know, basically a character named Doctor Who who doesn't actually have much of a name. He's, he's, he's from a planet. <laughs> you need to shaking your head. You're getting it wrong. You're getting it wrong right, right now. It's because he's okay. not called Doctor Who. His name is the Doctor. You're, you're the right. Doctor. You're right. You're right. His you're last right. name is the Unless doctor. you're talking about the obscure <laughs> movies that came out of in the 60s with Cushing. And then he was Doctor Who. Right. We're, we're going to ignore those. We're going to ignore those. Yeah, yeah. It just gets That's what Doc, you're going to hear that a lot with Whovian fans. We're going to ignore that part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's passive uh, aggressive. No, no, no. We, we need to talk about every aspect of it because it's all valid and it's all equally fun to stomp on. So, you know, let's go nuts. I mean, it's not like other sci-fi fandoms have ever had any bits of their various passions that they have ignored. Star Trek fans. Still have Enterprise. to acknowledge it. You really? still have to acknowledge it. Yeah, we'll we can, acknowledge, you can acknowledge it. We so, can acknowledge everything. So he's Absolutely. The, he's the doctor. Let's start. Let's start yeah. with fundamentals. Okay. Yeah. Right. He's, he's, the he's the doctor. Gallifrey. Yeah. He's a time lord. He's a time lord. He and travels a in a police lord? box. That it's an illusion. It's actually the TARDIS. Right. Which stands for time and, and relative dimensions, dimensions in space. space. And it was done in the '60s as an anthology series to partly educate British kids about history and science and that lasted maybe about a year the science part the educational yeah. part and they quickly realized that they wanted to actually make entertaining television and then they started doing things farther afield science fiction again period pieces and, all that and some may argue that it never stopped being a children's show well in fact i would argue that it is absolutely a family entertainment show it is not a sci-fi genre mm-hmm. piece 
basically it was like dads and moms started watching it. That's what changed it immensely. They're like the demographic completely changed from what they were expecting. Right. Like and, comic and, books. Yeah. They aged with the audience aged yeah. with material and they had to change the way they presented it. We've seen something transformative happen with Doctor Who that simply hasn't happened in another television show that I know of where it has much like comic books that entirely shifted in tone and everything in every conceivable way it shifted. When it came back in 2005, which is when I jumped in on it, it was a much darker show. In fact, it was on a BBC, the way, the way they do their numbering, the higher the number, BBC one through four, the more adult it is. Right. And it actually was, I forget, two or three? It was two. Yeah. It was still a big popular show, but they put it on two. Yeah. Because it was, and it was, it was darker then. It was on... And then it, it hopped up to one and it got a little uh, lighter. Well, and it's funny because they air it earlier in the day than a lot of American television. So it was still most of the time up until recently in a family friendly time spot, even if it was on a higher network number. Let's be honest to the whole darker, lighter thing real quick, because Doctor Who walks that line and it does a lot of times very well. I will say the show is impressive what it's accomplished. I will not deny that. However, the original Doctors, the reason why I very much prefer the original series, I won't go into too much detail now, is because you knew less about them. And they were genocidal for the sake of being genocidal to meet their ends. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll give you that there have been incarnations of the doctor yeah. that is more willing to sacrifice or flat out just not kill, but allow things to be killed. Yes. It, yeah. Which still is genocide. You it, know, the way you look at well, it. Genocide is very broad. I think of genocide yeah. as more of an intentional act, but unwittingly or allowing yeah. it to happen. Definitely. But at the same time, he also hated his companions. The original like three were very, very like, eh, why well, are you here? Hating. Okay. So I would they say were, they, they didn't enjoy them being around. The it was first annoyance. doctor absolutely is a dick that is oh, yeah. established yep. canon yeah. now he had a, a granddaughter susan who he very much loved not a bio granddaughter well that's a whole whatever but i mean <laughs> yeah. for for that's story purposes it was his granddaughter whatever he called her that but he tolerated in fact he loved her but then he had the the teachers uh show up and they were the ones he absolutely couldn't stand now going further the second doctor the third doctor they absolutely more grew to appreciate and respect the companions and i think that's one thing that the series has definitely evolved into yeah. absolutely putting the companion up there with the doctor but... now i would like to point out that what just happened here was exactly why people have problems with doctor <laughs> i was who. just going to say if it's like describe doctor who how do you describe doctor who to someone who doesn't know what doctor who is and we just had a long tangent oh, yeah. because, because Rat while City. there was an important right. point in there which is about the, the right the relationship with doctors and companions that's important to establish the doctor abducts human women and uh, forces them into <laughs> no, and men, and, 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 and androids, and <laughs> was, women. There was another and time lord dogs. that was traveling with her too. <laughs> it's happening again, Doug. It's happening yeah. again, right? Look, here. To, to, yeah. to simplify for anyone who's listening who's not familiar with Doctor Who, personally, after watching it and taking the time out, I would define the show as a science fantasy adventure show for families. Okay, I'll give it that. It's a That'll space work. adventure magic hour. Yes, very yes. much. The magic is important because the doctor is magical, even though they don't call it he, that. He is magical. He's he a is, wizard. He's he, a space wizard. He's a fucking elf. Like he's a little, yeah. he's an elf boy. Or a, a puck or a, yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. elfish. Yeah. He's a sprite who loves England, even though he's from outer space and he just can't get enough of it. And he inexplicably <laughs> loves it so much. They never seem to focus on really any other major points in history. Well, they, yeah. they go to other planets. Well, okay, you Matt know, Smith went to the... No, other you know, planets are great. That's United where it shines. But, but when... Twice. <laughs> two episodes? Now, I will say that the first Doctor visited the old American West and the Aztecs. Like, That's credible. And the new Doctor Who, they have gone to New York several times. In fact, they've gone to the American West. 
Contemporarily, I mean, they 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 get out of England every now and then. I mean, there's lots of quarries, of course, of quarries, well, and then there's a lot of future <laughs> settings where yeah. you know things are just taking place on completely different planets. Though, to be fair, still somehow on London mm-hmm. on the back of a space whale. Of course, yeah. Well, but, though I feel it, where Doctor Who shines is when it gets into the weirder places. The Those better. are the best absolutely, episodes. yeah. When they have a musical yeah. number in the show, absolutely, I, especially early on the show. <laughs> oh my god! Or when it's written by Neil Gaiman. Oh, very much so. But, but so, so the companion is a huge part of Doctor Who and has evolved over time. What else is important to establish for the Doctor? Uh, regeneration. The oh, that's that true. The reason uh, there's been so many different actors, or the ex- explanation for how there's been so many different actors, is that the Doctor has a regeneration, or Gallifreyans have a regeneration cycle. And that has allowed the show to live for so long. They can recycle the companions as new characters. Hey, so-and-so leaves, bring on somebody else. And that the Doctor can regenerate has given it a staying power in culture and in television. Right. You could, you to could, me, it's one of the most brilliant writing conceits that has ever existed on a television And it was show. done completely for a practical matter. They wanted to get rid right. of the first guy. They're like, he well, is getting too crazy. Let's get rid of him. <laughs> hey, what well, did we do? Also, William Hartnell was getting too old. But that was part of the crazy. I mean, but he, he they figured out. <laughs> Mary Lambert and the producers at the time said, you know what? Let's regenerate. We'll call it regeneration. It'll be, you know, he'll die and he'll come back as a new person and we're good. And, and people in England took their shit and various coffee tables around the time. <laughs> and their sofas. Don't forget the sofas. Yeah. And I must say, Wait, the, they didn't the, keep a stiff upper lip? <laughs> what's what's no, going they on here? Well, the, 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 that's what they used to flip it. They used their upper lip to just... <laughs> <laughs> but, but the idea of regeneration, I was sort of like, okay, that sounds like a gimmick just to get other people in there. Yeah. But they, uh-huh. I have to say, they did utilize it in a way that I was like, okay, he is an alien. This is an interesting way to not only change the actor... But you could change the tone of the show. Well, so t- much so because the doctor doesn't change very much as an incarnation. He changes in between incarnations and they allow this regeneration to form as kind of a character death right. and then a rebirth and new energy of the show. So it's it's really a brilliant thing. The only thing that comes close to be like James Bond, where they don't really explain it, James Bond just suddenly is a different person every so often. Right. So And then Judy Dench is somehow both the M from the Brosnan years and then also the M from That the... is a whole can of worms. I know, right? Right. Just saying just steer steer that Aston Martin down another path and let's get back to the TARDIS. Okay? James Bond is a Time Lord. Oh, don't we're going don't, there. don't mis- stop mixing my fandoms. Guys. He is British. <laughs> well, um. actually, uh, the first time when my when my sister introduced me to Doctor Who, which was really as recent as 2013, <laughs> because she dragged me into the 50th, and I was completely against it. I was like, "This show sounds crazy. I'm not watching it. I, I, I don't I don't care what this is." And she was trying to relay the entire history of Doctor Who to me, like in twenty minutes on 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 a train just, right there. Just like you just do now, didn't yeah, work. Yeah, just like how you tried <laughs> right. it. Yeah. Okay, I, but, I have, it's, an, oh, it's, but, a, it's but, but, a parasitic I'm, space infection. I'm, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> okay. I'm going somewhere yes. with this. One of my first questions after she relayed everything to me on our way to the cinema was, "He's just like James Bond in space, right?" I would you know say what? I would also, Jack I would, Harkness I, is James Bond in space. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, definitely more so. But they yeah, played up with Tennant, put on the tuxedo and the one on this Titanic, whatever. They were going for a Bond sort of thing there. And you know what? Tuxedo I would also, yeah. we've levied some criticisms at Doctor Who for it being kind of this rat's nest that's very hard to explain. I would challenge anybody with a fandom of over 50 years to explain their lead yeah. character in a succinct fashion. I bet you can do that for every goddamn comic book character. Absolutely. Yeah. And and Star try, Trek, too, you can for do that this matter, for. Not, I mean, sequel, but we yeah. can boil Who down to something basic, but it, it provokes an interesting reaction Very because, much. as we've seen here on the show, without even trying, <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. Okay. Well, in preparing for this episode, I've actually tried to describe the show in one sentence. That's very bold. I would like to hear it. Highly intelligent humanoid alien travels through time and space, finding new experiences, new friends, and himself 
saving civilizations and turning ordinary people into heroes. Oh. And that's exactly what he does with the companions. What? What? Uh, very, very well spoken. I In love the it. butt. Wow. All right. <laughs> you know what? Too. You took something beautiful and just wiped it through your crack. That's my role here. They tonight. do have TARDIS butt plugs. I'm okay. not going to lie. On Flame uh, On, we have talked about oh, this please. at some length. <laughs> why is it, why is it a TARDIS and there? not a sonic screwdriver? It is beer on the inside. We. You can fit all kinds of stuff up there. So I have Including a TARDIS butt plug. I have a critique to what Tony said. And while I, like I said, I think the idea and premise of Doctor Who is actually really intelligent in the fact that they propagated for such a long time and they've done an excellent job of it. However, my problem is this. They want you to take it both seriously at times and then at the same time, it's, this is funny. It's, it's one of those things where you, you want your cake and you want to eat it too, but I'm sorry, you, you can't have that a lot of times and it violates that Adam, so frequently. Why? Every piece of fiction that you read or that you watch has these elements has the serious moments and the funny moments. And I feel like Doctor Who just succeeds in keeping this balance so well pretty much all, all times. You know, I think this might be where the three of us all agree is that you're wrong. Well, no, no, no. I, I think good storytelling will bounce back and forth between humor yes, and drama and everything else. That, that, is, that is correct. Think, that is a true statement. I think one of the problems with Doctor Who is that not even in the same episode, but in the same dramatic moment, there'll often be a jump to a joke or a reference to something from earlier or something that would take you out of the moment right yeah. when the moment and it needs to be. we're talking about modern who. Right. Yes, 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 exactly. Since the reboot, and I don't disagree with you because yeah. there has been a more jokey tone and Moffat actually, more than Davies even. You're referring to here, the two lead creators of this modern era of who. Right, so Russell Davies, who was also known for Queerest Folk and bringing that to the British audience, brought back Doctor Who and did so very successfully and then handed off to one of the frequent, every season, show writers, Stephen Moffat, and their tenure between the two of them have covered the last 10 years of Doctor Who since the reboot. And they both have injected more of a humorous tone that I agree sometimes can get a little too saccharine. Can, and can be, really. But at the same time, I do feel that the best drama is sweetened by or tempered by it's like the salty and no, sweet and thing i i, you know, I, 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 but I, I find it to be successful in a lot of the cases that you guys may not and that could just be a a, a taste really it, it could which be. what it sounds like we're disagreeing over is not necessarily the balance itself but how it's presented and all it means is that doctor who is really just playing it more broad it plays well, it more melodramatic i think mm. more specifically for me personally i don't like it when a show pulls its punches okay okay for example rose the companion mm -hmm. yeah she gets sucked into this void uh -huh. and gets trapped in a parallel universe till the end of time right okay and it's like all well, this you know where was there a joke in this whole thing no, no i'm just saying like know. you have a very serious moment i remember when that ended i was just like oh wow i'm surprised they went there that's and powerful stuff that that's the heart of what makes this modern era right. doctor who succeed right oh, yeah. but yeah. leading up through the two seasons or rather two series worth up to that point Every other time there'd been something that serious that was asked of me mm -hmm. to partake in, there was always something to soften the blow at the last minute where, you know, where it's like, oh, don't worry, you weren't really dead or, oh, don't worry, you weren't really lost. And then they're like, doctor, how did you do it? And he's like, oh, it's rather, rather simple physics, really. And then just yep, she, sure. you know, explains the way <laughs> I'm out I'm just a it. walking MacGuffin. Right. Do now, now, that, now, granted, that's not every episode. But whenever it happened, yeah. I was like, man, you were so close to having me really invested. Right. And then it just yanks me back at the last second to where I'm like, oh. You rip back so are you referring to him mourning over the loss of Rose and then suddenly Donna coming in there and the whole like, what? Not what? even what not, Well, not even that specifically, but yeah. just other episodes. Because that was just up, moving on. Other episodes leading up to that. Like Rose falling into this parallel dimension 
was after sitting through two series worth, I was like, oh man, finally we got some like real drama. Like yeah. this is serious, life changing sure. stuff. Yeah. And then for the next season after that, he just sort of mopes about Rose. And then that's when I started to go, wait a minute. I never even liked Rose. Like, why, why are we focusing on this? And then we have other companions come in, and then it's kind of like, oh, stop worrying about Rose, audience. Let's have a laugh. I feel like this is partly a um, tonal sensitivity thing. It's the uh, serious and funny. It, it, like, I, I understand what you're saying, and there is a tendency to expect certain things of Doctor Who that you really historically shouldn't. And it's only because that's our modern sensibility, and they haven't quite figured it out. Yeah. But one of the things is the illusion of change. In comics, we have the never-ending status quo that does change slowly, subtly, but also always resets. And that's mm -hmm. with Doctor Who as well. Uh -huh. You will never really have serious change in an arc of a character until they leave or until the Doctor regenerates. That's just the way it's going to be. Because at this point, Doctor Who is not simply a character. He's an icon. There no, is you're an right. industry around this character that he is not allowed to have any significant right. growth. Like a comic book character. Yeah. Captain America, at the end of the day, will always be Steve Rogers, right. but even when he's not. If we look at long-running television transmedia franchises, for example, the best comparison here is Star Trek. You see a tenure of a captain on a ship, and that happens, and they jump some time, and then so you have the, you know, the original series, and then Next Generation, and they're all part of a unified existence, right. but they're very different, and yet they still connect, and it all feels natural. Mm -hmm. But with Doctor Who, it's just very different. It's a well, so completely unique situation. Wait a minute. Are we saying, though, that there is no significant growth within the character? Because that's not true. Within every a single regeneration that I've seen, there is significant growth within the character. But that's when it happens, is at those points when a character leaves the show. Or the doctor leaves the show and becomes not, a new person. Not necessarily. Not at all. Oh, no. Descent I've, in the ranks. I've seen. <laughs> and I wonder if this oh, is no among Whovians disagreeing <laughs> with themselves. Like, right? Any other I've, fan I've, base. I've, I've seen every regeneration I've seen so far, which aren't a lot of them, I have to admit. I've seen them going through personal changes depending on what happened to them, who came into their lives, who left their lives, depending on what is going on around them. I've seen very much Well, the companions more so than the Doctor. The Doctor, let's face it, and this is a little different with Matt Smith and David Tennant. They, I think, were allowed to have a little more of an arc with each person. But again, it's subtlety and it's the illusion of change. At the end of the day, the Doctor is still a Doctor. I've read countless interviews of writers of Doctor Who, and they write for the Doctor with little tiny touches if they know who it's going to be. And a lot of times that changes. So you're always writing for the doctor as a gestalt, and then you try to inject a little bit. And that's how the show works. Well, and you know what? Well, I, think, kind of I think this goes back to what I'm saying about like pulling it's, you away yeah. at the last minute where it's like the beginning of a series and the end of a series will have some huge character development. Right. Like things will happen. Like life-changing things will happen. Yep. But then like three episodes into the next series, it's like we're back to the regular run-of-the-mill yeah, monster right. of the week. There's we're no on an adventure thing. Through. And then those emotional baggage that he's supposed to be carrying doesn't really pop up again until the end of a series. Sure. And but I, I do have to say, though, I mean, specifically with Tennant, I saw, like, tremendous character change. The entire arc right. from season two until the end of season four, which, Doug, you haven't seen yet, but it's like the character change just escalates exponentially. Well, and I, and Smith, I, have, I saw I have hardly noticed. any. With Capaldi, it does um, See, and I say, like... I think Smith had more than Tennant in terms of change. And really? I totally understand what you're saying. When the Doctor regenerates, both because the actor is new to the role, but also because of the plot that regeneration screws you up, you do see an evolution over that first season. But even by the end of the season, the character, the actor, his take on the Doctor is going to shift. And so you, you know will what? see I'm even, that. I'm even going to argue this from a character point of view, that dude's 1,100 years old. Yeah. How many fifty-year-old people you know are going to be are going to change on a dime? Are going to grow as a person? Once I expect it because everything else about him does change on yeah, a dime. Yeah, it's, it's definitely true. Like when his, you, when you, his personality but might he, shift, 
He's capricious. He's so you're telling me his physical appearance will shift, his personality will shift, but as a core, he won't change. Right. Correct. But no, no, if your personality and your physical appearance shift, your core is going to shift along but with it. But we're talking about fiction, remember. Right. This no, is, I get, I get he's the same guy. No, yeah. With a new desktop. I mean, but, it, they use that analogy in the TARDIS. It is a core entity that does not change. But it's also just good writing is also you need when something profound happens. And that's need, what the companions do. They but, provide that. So, and the I, other characters each episode come in and get to show that growth I, and that yes. arc. I think this is another example. And again, this isn't about funny versus serious or character growth versus non-character growth. I feel like the show is a little schizophrenic on several levels, not yeah. to it a complete detriment, but to a moment where it's like, it's hard for me to define the show, which is why I say it's science fantasy right. adventure for families where there's no real hard through line. Whereas like if you were to say the original series of Star Trek, I would say that leans a little on the hard sci-fi. Sure. It is an adventure show. Social commentary. It, social commentary, yeah, pr yeah. pretty much it. But with, with Doctor Who, you have the episodes where it is just all fun and games. Right. And then you have the episodes where it is all very serious drama. So how do you define a show that spreads itself over? An anthology so, show. Yeah, At yeah. its yeah. core, Doctor Who is an anthology You're not vehicle. Wrong. But at the same time, and that's why I love it because it's always changing. It's always a little different with each new creative uh, showrunner, with each new writer. With that, yeah, that leads to my, my number one question. The thing that each puts me off sometimes. the most: who is it for? Exactly, like, everybody. It's, it's not. Well, I think non-genre fans in America and maybe other world part. I don't know. They see it a very different way than the British do. I've talked mm -hmm. to several friends of mine and several acquaintances about Doctor Who because it's you know important to me. And every time I meet a, a Brit, I'm like, oh, what do you think of Doctor Who? And it's amazing because they don't see it like we do. They see it as a, oh, it's that, that's that wacky show that they, they do this and they do that. Like, they don't see it as a genre show. And I don't think it really is a genre show. I no. stand by that. We have just, in the Western, American, whatever, we have latched onto it as genre fans as more genre when it really isn't. But I think that it so desperately tries to do both the wacky, the fun, and then the serious thing at the same time. And it's just like, you're going to take both no matter like, what happens, no matter what we do. It's going to be this way or the highway. And like, that's fine. And I like, going back to what Nina said, in the, the whole knee-jerk reaction thing is it's kind of like the Red Wedding if Benny Hill showed up in the middle of the Red Wedding. That, <laughs> that is, sounds amazing! Yeah, can we watch Yakety Sacks with the but, Red but, Wedding? That'd be fantastic. I'm not quite sure what kind of a Red Wedding is. Game of Thrones references. What is he talking about? It's, it's Game of Thrones references. Okay, okay. Uh, Red Wedding, something horrible happens and then Benny Hill bursts onto the scene and then hits Bruce Bolton with a pie. That does sound like, kind of cool. It, it, um, like, but, that's but, but, what I... That, that's a very poor analogy to try and make this point that you're trying to make because that sounds absolutely incredible. No, because it's so... No, it brings you out of the moment entirely. It rips you completely out of the experience and then what's happening there. Doctor Who betrays its viewers constantly and also, it's always surprising no. to me that people can still accept it when the creative teams are so fractured and there's all like so much dissent in the ranks and all that. See the problem is that as Americans you guys are used to a certain storytelling concept which doesn't have these changes which doesn't deviate from a certain formula and what I love about Doctor Who is that it's heartfelt it's bold, it's intuitive, and it's completely unapologetic. I, I feel Doctor Who stares its audience in the face and tells you how to feel. It doesn't allow for subtlety in the least. Right. And it, most of the time it'll tell so. you, this is really quite important. Please pay attention to this. And then you'll be like, oh my God, this is really important. And okay. I think that's and the, lack of, the lack of subtlety doesn't bother me because I'm saying in the back of my head, this show's for children right. and families. Exactly. Right. But then it also there doesn't present subtlety. itself as there being... There is plenty like, of subtlety. Because like, yeah. it's a horror show in a lot of ways. The parts where it succeeds the most is when it's quite frightening. The best episodes are that. the horror episodes, yeah. I would argue. And there's some no. that are really good. What was the episode where Tenet's on the library? That episode I legitimately enjoyed from start to beginning. It was really good. I'm okay with shows that shift genre. Star Trek is a show that shifts genre a lot. 
but I feel that it presents itself in such a way so that I don't feel that it's my misunderstanding Doctor Who that's separating it from me. I'll take anything anybody can give me. It's not what I'm expecting of Doctor Who in the narrative style that I'm expecting. It's the fact that it's inconsistent. It's grossly inconsistent in a way that the depth of character, the expression of plot and everything, it'll build something up and then it won't even pay off remotely. And I think that is a fair criticism because they are learning how to do that. I mean, when Davies took over, he said his model for Doctor Who was Buffy. He wanted to have a season arc a good model. that actually went somewhere as a season and it does subtly. And then, it does very much, though, yeah. Yeah, in some seasons more than others. I mean, certainly Moffat's second season with Matt Smith absolutely had a strong arc. And they realized at the end of that that they probably did too much sequential storytelling. And then the next season when Amy leaves, they backed away from that and did more thing of the week. And so it is a show that is constantly sort of trying to see what will do well, reinventing itself, trying to get new fans, which it's definitely done. It may have there's lost some people. There's a revolving door, kind Well, of. there's a revolving door, but it is a revolving door where the stuff, people are coming in more than leaving. The fan base now is bigger than it's ever been, and I've been around since I was basically like four, and we would go to these nerdy little Doctor Who conventions that were absolutely even nerdier than a Star Trek convention because it was much <laughs> smaller, and everyone was very passionate. I mean, we didn't dress up, but whatever. We had the scarf. Yeah. That was close. And there was a very small American fan base, whereas the British fan base, again, was big because it was just a family show. People always would share with each other and generational parents would share with their kids. And we've had like three generations now come along since the show has been on. So it's just a different beast well, it's, than it's Star a, Trek. How How well, it's it a different take? expectation. For example, like with Star Trek, yes, each show has been different. And I expect each show to be different because it's a different cast, different crew, sure. different ship, different, different they everything. They reinvent from the ground up. But mm -hmm. to me, the thing that makes Star Trek okay with having the funny episode here or there or the weird episode here or there is that the format of the show is core set of characters who really don't change at all but their environment changes around them they fix a problem or they go here they do this right. and they don't really have major episodes where kirk has to deal with an emotional thing that he had 12 years ago but never got over or right. whatever but with doctor who they'll go place to place solve a problem do that but then they'll come to a screeching halt and then shift genres of story to mm -hmm. where now we're going to focus on a doctor story now we're going to focus on a story about rose's family and about her backstory right. which watching it was interesting but when i didn't know what i was getting into i had no idea what i was watching like every time the show started I'm like, okay, this is a roll of the dice. It's either going to be 100% So it's like X-Files in that they have Monster of the Week and then they have mythology shows. So X-Files did that well. But X-Files also knitted itself together, though. It always brought everything kind uh, of with I it, wouldn't you know? agree with that. I, I love X-Files, but I totally wouldn't and agree you know in that sense. You know? I'm going to piggyback off of something that you said, Doug. Doctor Who, to me, at least, the stories that focus on him are less as Doctor Who as a character and more as how Doctor Who fits into the universe at large. If ever it's something that he's carrying, something that is more interpersonal for the doctor himself it's not a reflection as to how he's dealing with it but how he's dealing with the rest of the universe dealing with it well that because, was the frustrating part for me because every yeah. time the doctor would be about to open up about something personal about himself uh -huh. i'm like yes tell me give right. me something so i can sympathize with you so i understand where you're coming from and i can you know and they're like uh, it's always the same it's always like well there was a time war and uh you know i'm the last one i'm like i already know that but what else? Tell me something about you. Like, what you personally, what is in this for you? I know you're adventuring, and I know you're helping people, but even, like, Superman would have an emotional moment where he would explain something or and something about himself. The Doctor has had those moments, but oh, yeah. the fact that he yeah, doesn't dole it out much makes those moments of revelation so much more powerful because you're like, oh, oh I, crap. I'd agree. That's how you felt about Gallifrey? That's how you felt about so-and-so? Like, I, I, I would agree, but half the time they do that, it's like, 
he sits down Martha. He's like, let me tell you about my home planet, yeah. Gallifrey. The camera pans away and they leave it alone. I'm like, no, I want to hear this story. And you know <laughs> yeah. what? I would argue, I'm actually going to use the Superman analogy that you just picked up. Superman is one of those characters that depending on who's writing him is either fantastic or a giant piece of turd. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Which yeah. Doctor yeah. Who is much the same way. Depending exactly. on who's um, writing the episode, you're absolutely. either going to get that moment where it pans away Here's, mm -hmm. uh, and you don't get any resolution. And I, I will admit, nine times out of ten, when an episode would end and I would go, hey, that was interesting. This was going against my expectations. It was written by Russell T. Davies. It was, I was like, oh, is this well, the guy that we like? And he's <laughs> the showrunner who absolutely controls the agenda of the series at that right. time. So absolutely, right. they are the stronger. Well, and that's not always true with Davies either. It's because there, there's a matter. profound schism between the Davies years and the Moffat years. I don't see that at I, all. I was, I, I I was about that. to talk to about, about that because I, I see like there's this huge gap. I mean, massive. Really? This is where when talking to all the various nerdy show hosts, this is the place where I saw people's opinions change. Yeah. I saw everyone's people opinions change. People were... Fans right. were challenged. Which, again, I just don't get because I see Moffat as an extension of what Davies started, admittedly, in some ways, taking different directions, as any showrunner should when they take something over that's long-running. Don't just do what you've done before. But he do something before. I think Davies had, like, beginning to end consistency of quality, which even, like, escalated. Consistently bad. <laughs> I will be quite honest here. If I had to pick a creator, it's not Davies. And I'll tell you why. A... I love Doctor. I mean, I've established that. I wanted this show to succeed very well, but the early Davies stuff is rough. I go back and watch it, and I realize, and I thought it was rough at the time. It panders, and you talk about the whole poignancy, and I think it panders a lot. I, I think modern Doctor Who, period, panders. Well, constantly. and way more than classic Who, certainly. Right. But when Moffat came around, and, and the Moffat episodes of the Davies era are the strongest, I think, most yeah. of them. No, I will agree. No, I, I, I have writer. to He's disagree. I mean, the Doctor Dances, the, the Empty Child, the, where's, Are You that, My that Mummy? One, that, that one was, that was a great. Good episode. That introduced Captain Jack, that did a lot for that show. But and if you're talking about the, the girl in the fireplace, well, that there were so was okay. many plot holes in that one. I don't disagree with you. The Blink episode, many people, if they want to pick one Doctor Who, just sell me on it, they will pick Moffat's Blink. Even Neil Gaiman That's has said okay. that is the one episode. And the Doctor's barely in it. That's so, why I would not pick that. Like, I'm granted, I've only seen the first three seasons, but if someone was like, name one Doctor Who episode to have me understand what Doctor Who's all about, Blink, I would say, is entertaining, yeah. but I would not pick that episode. Well, other people have said that that's their favorite. I think that actually... And I, I can see the... why. Well, whether or not Blink is a good starting point or not, that's up in the air, but uh, it is undeniably the most famous episode of Doctor Who since the relaunch. And on that topic... It's time for a track break. This is a track by the most prolific man in nerdcore, Adam Warrock, called Blink, based on the episode. One of his best-known songs is his track Never Watch Doctor Who, and since writing that ages ago, Adam's actually gotten to the show and released a whole EP themed around the series. This track is from that EP. But before I give you over to Warrock, I should also mention that up until very recently, there was another nerdcore giant who'd never watched Doctor Who. Our very own Schaefer the Dark Lord popped his Who Cherry live on a recent episode of the podcast he co-hosts here on the Nerdy Show Network, Epic Piecast. We'll link to that episode of Piecast on this episode's page. And now, here's Blink. I don't know what stopped you talking, but I can guess. They're coming. The angels are coming for you. But listen, your life could depend on this. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. They are fast, faster than you could believe. Don't turn your back. Don't look away and don't blink, 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 blink. The 
beginning of time, they covered their eyes Because they couldn't bear the pain to see and be seen And there inside a plain sight, they hide The lonely assassins, waiting to feed on your potential energy They'll steal your life in a second, every millisecond They'll drop you somewhere in time, so far away And you can't hear them coming Turn your back and it's already too late Say goodbye to that life you once made And how do you kill a stone? Well, you don't Stone, it can't kill you, so you've nothing to fear And life can try to pass you by, but it won't If you live and make a life that you hold so dear And angels don't weep for me, I've lived a long life She found a good man, he loved a great wife Just listen to the words I'm telling you If you don't want to die tonight Don't close your eyes You don't want to miss the sight Not one night, not one second of daylight Don't turn your back Don't forget about the people that you left Cause they'll see you again Close your eyes, you don't want to miss the sight Not one single breath, a single second Don't close your eyes, not for anything Don't even play So here I am, stuck in 1969 without a ship To get back in time, I'll find some people from your life I made a promise that binds, I'll give them something that maybe One day you could read with your eyes Or you could see it on a screen if you search long enough And you could help me, if you're strong enough to my words so carefully, Sally. Just don't blink, trust the dot for once. See, time is like a big ball of wibbly wobbly, subjectively non linear. Your past is just a part of me. My future isn't written. If you listen, pay attention. I already know what you're gonna say. It ought to be much simpler than this, I promise you. And the universe is much bigger than this. If you find me on the street one day, you can play me this song. I probably won't be able to sing along. Come on, just close your eyes. You don't want to miss the sight. Not one night, not one second of daylight. Don't turn your back. Don't forget about the people that you left. Cause they'll see you again. Don't close your eyes. You don't want to miss the sight. Not one single breath, a single second. Don't close your eyes. Not for anything. Yeah. Don't even blink. So when Moffat took over from the show, when Davies and his crew left, they reinvented it. They made it a little more flexible in terms of t- storytelling about time travel. Flexible. Certainly, <laughs> I will agree. Very you could drive flexible. buses through the tunnels of the potholes and, and time travel thing, but that's the nature of time travel storytelling: is it does not make sense because well, time travel no, does wait, not make sense. Bill and Ted, Back to the Future. Bill and Ted, Back to the Future. No, Back to the Future. you to go back and watch those again. Seriously, the, though, New Who made perfect sense to me. Series one through four, absolute thorough sense when it didn't make sense is when Moffat cut in and pretty much immediately threw common sense completely out of the window be specific how so um, <laughs> look at that yes. little face oh, they're tearing each other apart we don't get it no we're not <laughs> it's okay no, you see, here's I, wa- I want to know what bothers here, her no, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna we don't have to show up at all If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. As much as there is disagreement, we will all go back and watch the show. We are united in our Whovianism. We will keep going even if there are times that we are not 100% down. Are you all packing sonic screwdrivers right now? Um, in fact, oh, I don't know, as I'm wearing the tenant jacket. Oh, are we, uh... <laughs> Is oh, that and, uh... enough for you? Okay, I mean, you... We're touching Sonic Screwdriver <laughs> tips here. That sounds like, really... I'm sorry. I mean, don't, don't cross, I know, don't cross the streams. Does that, that apply? Let's, let's, let's not go there. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Mine just grew. Just saying. Wait, wait, I can do that too. Extended. Hold on. There we go. Oh, God, yours just got a claw. Brian that's has one that looks like a predator mouth. I don't know what, <laughs> what era that's from. Weird. But... I, I never understood the design of this, but can we go back? Because I hear this a lot, and I try to understand the criticism against Moffat. And I get that when it comes to the time travel stuff, it's a little flexible. I get that. But tell me what you don't like about Oh, God. Beyond where, just like. Where this, to begin? Because this, this, the River Song stuff, it's, I love the idea of it, but certainly there's execution issues. I agree. Every single time River Song is plugged into an episode, I feel like she acts like a. A doctor? A living plot point. Hmm. Like she's a plot device. She's not a character, she's a plot device. And I the, agree and completely. The plot that happens around her, every single time River Song is entered into an episode, the episode gets infinitely more confusing the, to the point where I just I just had to my brain shuts off at that. Point. I mean, and you know what? I will agree with you simply because River Song, when she was introduced, was fantastic. She was just amazing because she was an it was mystery. It was mystery, and then they explained the mystery, and they the had midichlorians, idea, and that's when things went wrong. Is that much. what I'm hearing? No, that's that's, that's <laughs> okay. pretty much it. It was. It I was, mean, that's, that's a fair point. No, the, was, the more you explain River a mystery, Song, the more problem you'll be. River Song was too much of a good thing because when she was introduced, she was a time lord not knowing what was going on. Which up until that point, we had seen the Doctor knowing everything about everything at any point. Right. So this was something from his own life that he hadn't experienced. That's yet. why I love River Song. Is it put the Doctor in a very unusual position? It made him the one who did not know. And so she was a plot device in the sense that she was basically acting as a doctor to the doctor, which is awesome. Like, they had never really done that except a little bit with Tom Baker and... um, The best doctor. I cannot think of her name, but she was the female Time Lord. But, like, that was the only other time where the doctor's really been confounded by somebody else. So that was cool. And it it was clever to have And it's confounded by a woman, too. That's the other thing. I see River Song as a great example of a strong female character that had... Okay, admittedly, she loved the doctor, so there's a love story and all that stuff, but she was badass. She kicked ass on the show. The the, um, the wedding and everything related to it was all really poorly handled, I don't disagree with that, actually. I was disappointed by the way that whole thing ended, but 
I think the other episodes that she's in, she's a lot of fun. And I just, I love Alex Kingston. And I love her performances as, as River, so. Now, two things. Thing number one is whenever River Song entered an episode, it's not that just, you know, the plot lines around her got confusing. It's the plot lines in general got confusing. Um, <laughs> let me get back to the Weeping Party Angels. Arms. Okay. <laughs> I know, know where you're going. What I'm, what I'm referring to. So wait a minute. You, well, well, you... help us so because. suddenly the Weeping Angels. They it's brought the, the Weeping Angels back to the show. Right. And suddenly they had all of these abilities yeah. that weren't even mentioned before. They could walk on ceilings. They could, I mean. <laughs> well, that was. Uh, let's just go into so all originally the crazy things they could So the Weeping do. Angels were sort of a plot device to have the, um, it was a creepy villain. I mean, it is a creepy statue yeah. thing. And people get they freaked are, out. It, it's, cool. it's brilliant. It's iconic. It's, iconic. it's Doctor core, Who horror at its the best. But their power cool. was to zap you back in time. This is the original one from Blink. And take that time energy that they got out of that. And because you now grew old in another time, like it didn't make sense. It really well, didn't. But it was kind of like, way it, was it was creepy. Like, it was creepy. It, that the was way I understood it. Did not make sense. But then they come back. And this is, again, Moffat did all of these. He, I think he's the only one who's written the, the angels. Now, suddenly, they don't do that. But if they touch you, they can hold on to you. But if, they, if you see them... You get stuck in their head, and then they become. They can turn you into them. Like it was just weird. It is fifty rules together combined, so much so that a true Whovian yep. can't even explain it. Don't Wait. blink. <laughs> Does Doctor Who qualify for a double mumbo jumbo, Doug? I mean, I would argue yes. Ooh. I would actually say no. See, here's the thing. I was afraid of that too. Where when I was first seeing things about the show, and I'm like, he fights ghosts, and what the hell is this? And like, he's an no. alien, and there's this. So, can, every can, single it, time, as far as Davies is concerned, every single time when they have ghosts, witches. Um, werewolves. werewolves they are all explained as those being alien entities so there's no magic there whatsoever and that was a relief for me when it's just like oh the legend like of that. this was actually point, just an alien really does, and i'm like oh okay at well, that what kind of point explains. does moffat not do the same where is there the ghosts showing up and they're just like ghosts moffat's consistent with that every ghost that you think is a classical ghost is ultimately explained by either some wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing or it's an alien the problem about Muffet, that, that's the, that's the wibbly wobbly timey wimey exactly. is, is the wibbly, thing where it's just like well we're not going to explain it problem. but, but again when your audience is a family okay so <laughs> think about it from a storytelling perspective i can't speak from a family perspective i'm speaking from a perspective of someone who is I, new I, to I get who it. i say where should i begin watching doctor who and they right. say with the ninth doctor and I say See, that's I where I should begin. I wouldn't agree with it. And, and well, that's what the majority of people told me. I think me. it's too far back know. now. So, but, but the, I mean, but again, it's you're trying to swing for the fences. Back. For you're trying to hit everybody. You're trying to, a shotgun approach, if you will. And admittedly, there are things that can be done better. But that's why they don't over-explain. Because when you over-explain, you will lose the younger audience. And they're not trying to keep like kids following along in every little detail. Right. But they are trying to tell a grand sort of broad, in a lot of cases, story that is entertaining. That's why they punch it up with humor. Well, it, 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 so having, you, having you a can, scientific technobabble doesn't frustrate me right. unless there is a simple explanation and sure. they don't acknowledge that. Like right. the, I know every people single the, time, if you remember with Tennant, whenever he technobabbles... He says, like, right in the next sentence, he clarifies, he gives the simple right. one-sentence explanation. So basically, it's just like that. And, 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 like, and, oh, and in, okay, in defense of mean. the show, the people who really hate Dr. Hill will be like, oh, it's just wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey is the excuse. That first, I mean, from me watching it, that, that came up in the episode of Blink. That's more of a mob. That is a mob. Now, and also, yeah. still in defense of the show, when that line came up, he was only saying that to dissuade the character, the human that he was explaining to. The human's like, how is this possible? And he's like, look, I could explain it to you, but just trust me, it's all wibbledy-wobbledy. And that I actually laughed at that because right. at this point, I'd been with the show long enough where I'm like, 
okay, I believe he could explain it, but he's talking to a dumb human, right. and their lives are literally, in, they're in mortal danger, and they, gotta do stuff. And they, they don't have the time to explain. But whenever an excuse what like that does come up, when you could just say, oh, well, this was one way, this is the other way, I just flipped the circuit. But instead of even saying that, it's just, look, you don't need to know. That's the kind of stuff that, and I haven't seen a lot of it, but whenever that does happen, yeah. that feels like it's insulting to my intelligence. I understand some of that. I guess I just get frustrated because that also gets lumped into the Moffat doesn't write strong female characters, and I absolutely don't get that at all from the writing. And I get pissed I like off when I have people who go on Tumblr, let's say, or maybe even the Mary Sue, <laughs> and they don't. basically name call Moffat as a woman hater because of the perceived lack of strong female characters or the fact that he treats women as mysteries. And I'm like, that's no, not I, the point. I agree, though. I agree that it doesn't do anything misogynistic at all. Yeah. It's, it's um, not malice. There's it's no exactly. Not, what I think is more the problem with him is that he chooses character writing where he focuses most of his writing strength on the doctor, less so on developing Understood. personalities of other people. However, I have to say that one of the strongest written characters by Moffat, in my humble opinion, but that's only happened throughout the course of Series 8, so very, very recently, is Clara Oswald. I would Which you could even that. argue that that's in response to a lot of the criticism he got Possibly. from Amy Pond, because he is essentially, in Clara yeah. Oswald, created a character who is simultaneously Amy Pond, and that it's a person who finds the Doctor fascinating and wants to be along for the journey, but is also River Song, because she is an enigma. She's somebody who confuses the, impossible the Doctor. Girl. She's right. the impossible girl. She is everything that people have been asking for out of a companion, and people yeah. still find a reason to hate her. Which I will never understand, because she develops such characters. She's strength. more compelling than the Doctor in a lot of ways. At the moment, she might be, yeah. Which Even is, though, which like, is they're, funny, because I love... Up to a level. I love Capaldi. Briggs, I, I Briggs really yeah, looks like really he wants to like say him. something right now. Oh, yeah, now. let's hear it, let's hear it. Come <laughs> on, <laughs> no, we've no, fought amongst talking. ourselves enough. Keep talking, I let's want him it. to pop. I want him to pop. Okay, okay. Let it out, let it out, let it out. So, okay, companions. Yep. Hate them, but... I understand why they're All there. Of them? I, I, no, not not. Why not, do you hate companions? Because the doctor is He's a god. Jealous. Because he has no reason to be there with him. However, do you have animals? I have animals. Not that this is a valid relationship. That, that is not a but, good but I'm not, but I'm not a good <laughs> like where that was going this, at all. <laughs> this has actually been put out in an episode. The reason the doctor has a hard time saying goodbye is because he realizes that companions are not animals in like the, you know, yeah. uh, 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 this is my pet goat. But this is my my best As companion. <laughs> this is my closest friend who will not live out my entire life, and therefore it breaks his heart. Yeah, that's yeah. my point with that, and that's why I'm saying the companions are not only a storytelling device. Because let's be honest, that's what they, they are. They're an audience surrogate. They're an exactly. But he cares about them in a lot of ways that you do about someone who you know will not make it in, as long as uh, you will. And okay. once again, uh, getting back to the case of Clara Oswald and a lot of other companions as well, uh, specifically Martha Jones, which is my personal favorite. The Doctor turns companions into heroes, and that is... Or weapons. Or weapons. That's been part of the material, is he en emboldens them, yeah. enables them to find the best in themselves, but usually that means you turn into a, a weapon. So that makes, that makes him the, okay. the protagonist, but, however, it also makes him the mentor and the... the professor. Um, exactly, yeah. and the companions learn from him, learn from, from them to, to realize that they are not ordinary, as, you know, Donna Noble was thinking she was, like, the most ordinary person on this planet. Turns out she ended up saving the universe and like you know many what? of the others did. So. Donna's resolution is one of my problems with Davies. I hated Donna's resolution entirely. Yeah. Because it, it saddened it, me. It, it broke your hers, heart. Well, hers yeah. was one of the most violent and fantastic pieces of character growth that had ever come along. 
only to then be completely erased yep. for no apparent reason. If you are not familiar with Doctor Who, I apologize in advance. <laughs> You've never watched an episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> yes, like, what the fuck am I listening to right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did broad like, strokes. This is for the Whovians. Nonsensical rambling is what we're doing yeah, right it, now. It's it, just, it's it, has, it has devolved. Um, if this is your first time, I apologize. This is not at all what a regular show is like. This is a very <laughs> special occasion brought to you by Cork. So remember, look what you got. I did enjoy Davies. I enjoyed Davies immensely for the first couple of series, but as I continued to watch his stuff, his endings frustrate the piss out of me. Because Tennant was my favorite doctor for the longest time. Hence the I mean, screwdriver. Brilliant. And his story was one that I was into as well, because dude was a fan of the series as a child, yeah. told his advisor at school that when he grew up, he wanted to be the doctor. Married the fifth doctor's daughter. Wow. Exactly. That's just awkward. No, that's entertainment. <laughs> that's, 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 that's just awesome. It is, that is awkward. He played his daughter in the show too. Well, so that, you know, it's awkward. That that's where it does get awkward. Yes, but it's it's a cool story. Now he didn't write fanfic and and have a a zine published like Capaldi did. So Capaldi no. is up there no, right I mean, with Tennant Capaldi, as Capaldi, who is the most current doctor. Yeah. I mean, right. they are both uber fans both of the show. are the ultimate promoted fanboys none of this matters it, it, when it comes to the quality of the show well no 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 we're just it getting does. Well, well, okay, it here, does. here's why it does because uh, doctor who is a masturbatory experience and all the fans are now mutually masturbating at each other and that's what the shows turn into but what is art if not you appreciating what? itself like what I'm not, saying the you can't, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you can't be a fan and create some great art especially if you actually get to work on doctor who right i'm just saying the fact that any of these people are fans we shouldn't hold it to a Absolutely. higher or lower standard. I totally agree yeah. with you on that. It, it just does, shows it the enthusiasm. Give it excuses. No, no, no. Of course, but way. it shows the enthusiasm of the people who bring the project. I, I, both I, love, and why. I love fan enthusiasm. I'm just saying that the Doctor Who community, the passion for it, it's amazing. It's amazing how intense it is. But, but it's also kind of offensive. It's, it's harmful. It, it makes it, it really offensive. The, the Why is my joy the harmful The entirety of the offensive. new show okay, is made by fans for fans. The anger at the Doctor Who fandom is not necessarily directed at the three fans who are seated in this room. Oh, okay. No, I'm it not. Is, well, it I don't think personally anything. Super Hulak fandom that exists Ugh. primarily So on is it the output of Tumblr things and yes. scenes and all I, that? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now for a fact. Tell me, yeah. I'd never watched an episode of Doctor Who before I started giving it a chance now. The number one reason is because of the fans. Okay. Because I would hear fans argue amongst themselves. And I would say, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to, like, sit across from my wife one day and have an argument about something that we both really care about. But that, that doesn't that happen is, with anything else? But that is, that's the reason, don't. too. I mean, not really. Star like, Wars and Star Trek? Are I mean, you kidding me? Honestly, that, that honestly Star Trek though. No, look, look. Okay, perfect example. Cap. Yeah, if, if, Unless I'm mistaken, for everyone to reiterate, what is your favorite Star Trek? Like, anything. Wow, that's hard. I really do love it all mutually, but I'm probably most connected to Next Generation, though I have a deep affinity for Deep Space Nine. I really don't care for Deep Space Nine at all. You're and, a bastard. And, and, <laughs> and, I, but, and I love, my favorite is the original series. Yeah. But I can look at Deep Space Nine and say, even though it's not for me, there's a clear distinction that it's not for me. It is a different show altogether. It's a different genre altogether. It is. Completely encapsulated in its own thing. So me not liking Deep Space Nine is like me not liking uh, Golden Girls. Like it doesn't matter. It's a totally different show. Right. So, but, but, if, but if we were to sit across and say, hey, I like Next Gen. You like Next Gen. You go, well, I only like Next Gen seasons two and six. And I'd be like, why only those? You go, oh, well, everything, everything post Gene Roddenberry was just shit. 
only when Gene Roddenberry was on that show, and, and that was great. And I'm like, well, Wesley was a surrogate, you know, Gene Roddenberry, <laughs> so everything with Gene Roddenberry was shit. No one really gets into those kind Are of Are you kidding me? I've had fights. those discussions with Star Trek fans. I pity you then. I, how could I you work with programmers? You know what this do. You know what this might be? This might be a problem in terms of the age of these yes. respective fandoms. Because, there, no, there is, because there's an element. what it sounds like is it's not necessarily that this discourse doesn't exist in other fandoms. It is that it is at a much less mature level. I didn't grow up watching Doctor Who, so I have no idea of the history of it. I was literally leaping into, what, post 50 years of, of its history. So yeah. I knew going in, I wasn't going to know everything. I wasn't going to get every hint. I wasn't going to get every little thing. But the thing that made me hesitant about even watching it was the people online, like the fans on, not, not, not everybody, some people were very supportive, but just the whole Tumblr community, the super hulak, as, sure. as Tony put it. Yeah. It, was, it, it wasn't Out. that I was insulted or anything stupid like that. It was just that awesome. I see all these people who love something and they were at each other's throats. I couldn't find two people to agree on anything. Yeah. And I said, mm -hmm. I don't really know if I want to be a part of something like that because then other fans judging me for something that I like. Whereas right. I can look at Cap and say, hey, I like this episode of Star Trek. And he would say, I don't, but hey, we can still both agree that we enjoy this. It's like objectivist literature. You cannot right. want to get into the politics of objectivism and Ayn Rand, but you can enjoy the Fountainhead. Right. And I think that is something that we have more and more in this era where everyone's connected, everyone has their own soapbox. That, yes, there's a lot of super passionate Who fans who, like we got into with the Moffat versus Davies thing, but the fact of the matter is there's something in the material that is so intrinsically interesting to the Whovians, at least, mm -hmm. that they are that passionate. Oh, they do I, care even, that even as a non-Whovian, there yeah. is something intrinsically interesting about this character and yeah. about this universe. Yeah. But my, I feel like the problem why all the different fans are at each other's throats for various reasons is because you have a show that's 51 years old now, and it is the exact same continuity the entire time it's like building a skyscraper where the foundation was a pure kids show and then they decide on level four no nah, you know we need to change this around and then we get another architect to come in sure and before you know it you have this giant skyscraper that you're like what the hell is that thing yeah. guys i got it we're gonna do just like dc we'll have the new 50 who oh, oh man oh god no, 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 wait, no, on that no, no. point I, as as someone who's been watching the show all granted it's only been the three seasons but i feel like three seasons from a quote-unquote good starting point should be enough for me as a newcomer to say, okay, I want to continue watching this, or no, I don't. This isn't interesting. Well, to me. honestly, it was it was enough for me. Season one was enough for me to say, you know, yes, I'm definitely going to continue watching. This. Right, and as 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 a show should do. Right, and I do have to agree with you on the whole crazy like internet fanaticism that's going on there. That is mostly. I don't mean to point fingers, but that's mostly American. That's mostly uh, Americans. Yeah, I'm not saying that. Oh, I believe you're but right. But mostly no. Americans <laughs> under 25. <laughs> For some reason, that is an age country thing. Don't ask me why, but it seems to be that way. And, you know, this whole craziness was what completely alienated me, no pun intended, from the show until October 2013, you know? So that, that was a long time that I could have watched the show but didn't. Wow. Right, well, you know what? Once you got into it, that's impressive. Wow. <laughs> now, All right, Briggs, 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 you've been wanting you, to pop this whole anniversary time. Anniversary coming like, up. You've been, you've been holding back for some reason. Uh, I think it's because your rage is mighty. You have powerful feelings. So I don't want you to explode or erupt in some kind of blue ball sort of situation. Yeah, so yeah. please let it out. Okay, so my problems with Doctor Who are as followed, and this is basically my last <laughs> thing. Okay, look. There's no tension in the show. Hardly 
ever over its 50-year run. And if you have a show for 50 years and a character, which, yeah, okay, he regenerates. Great idea to continue perpetuating the show. But when is the Doctor really the Doctor, who he is, the regenerating Doctor, truly, truly in danger and not a companion that we honestly like, oh, but I like this companion, but next season we're going to get a new one. Okay. So when is the doctor ever truly in danger? When is doctor's balls this close to the bandsaw? His existence, that his entire an <laughs> existence can just go away. Well, there's been, there's been instances where, where, there's been instances the where he was like dis, almost disintegrated. There, there have been. But the Thank thing you, is, though, is it's so far and few between. I want my science fiction fantasy guy who is a god and challenging other godlike beings. I want him to be so stretched thin. I want to see him run ragged. I want to see him fighting against the wall. I want to see this, that. If they did that with one season, I would be in. I'd be well, in. The, the, they did do that. I, I agree, but there's elements of that throughout, which is why I think the show was frustrating. Because like with the yeah. Ninth Doctor, he's not the wartime Doctor, but he's like the survivor. He's the one who went through some heavy shit. And any time, like when they first bump into the Daleks, it was like, I didn't know anything about the Daleks. I didn't know anything about the Time War. I didn't know anything. But there was emotion in that episode where I was like, oh, Raw my gosh. Emotion, like, yeah. like, this yeah. is, like, this is really Doug, good. It, it does that, happen. Doug it does Adam, happen. you want to see him suffer? Watch Series 4. No, no, I've seen, I've seen all of it. And the thing is, no, that no, is suffering. no, it does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't. Okay. But the thing is, though, is it's sprinkled in. It's sprinkled in for me too rarely. Well, the reason why you feel it's sprinkled in is because you're expecting a show about a character that's going to go through some challenges and changes, it, it, where this is a show that's more like Star Trek, where yeah. the characters don't have to necessarily change that True, much. true. And, and that's just the nature of the show, and that just boils down to my personal preference. I guess there's not anything inherently wrong with the way it's done, and that's fine, but at the same time, it grates against me something fierce. My other thing is this. The less you know about the Doctor, I feel he's a stronger character. I disagree. And, and, but, but no, 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 no. Let, let, let me let me say this. No, the stuff that we do know about him, I feel like it's to the point now where you're in this weird kind of thing where like, okay, we know this much about him, but we wanted this much more. And I think it would improve him at this point. But I think the less we knew when he was more of a force in nature, a thing that would show up, aliens would crap their pants, civilizations would stop. And like, okay, well, if we piss him off, kind of like Baker. Yep. That was the doctor I grew up with. Yeah. I grew up with Baker. I really actually still enjoy him. Mm -hmm. But he Do was a doctor. you mean Colin Baker Tom or Tom, Tom Baker. Baker? Okay. That's when Although start. Colin Baker was like that too, to some extent. Colin Baker was, but those those two were the ones where they would show up. They were like, okay, these are, it's, things are good. And then you made them mad. Oh. And then they, well, it still was, happens. You no, know, but not oh, like totally it did with happens. Tom Baker. The classic I, who I, were much bigger dicks. They, they were. They, oh, they, I, I don't know. They would, go, they they would go on such apocalyptic, destructive phases that it was impressive. Like you would sit there, you're like, well. That's why you that's, don't fuck with the Time Lord. Matt Smith, I feel, is the closest to Tom Baker we've had. Mm -hmm. since not even remotely. I 100% agree. But it doesn't take any risks. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. And I want to see it take some risks. I want to see it, it not jump the shark because I feel like it jumped the shark on that episode to episode basis. But I but, don't disagree with anything you're saying, really. But I don't just, agree 100, but I totally see where you're coming but from. But that's why I was excited about Capaldi. I wanted to see a salty, angry, pissed off doctor that treated his companion like like you're just a companion. Shut up, sit there, and be it a human. Got and close that is, to okay. it. That's and, what I hated about it. But oh. then he evolved, and then we saw why he Which was treating fine. her this way. And there's some serious psychological yeah. like, development in there. That's, that's beautiful. Good. No, I I totally agree with you. That's good. But in it rolls back into the thing like 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 we're gonna be super ha ha funny and I'm gonna have sparkles and fairies and there's no sparkles whatever and the fuck ever. Let, 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 let me put it to you this way, Adam. If someone were to come up to you and say, "Hey, I'm hearing a lot about Doctor Who. I'm hearing good things. I'm hearing bad things. I'm thinking about getting into the show. What am I in for? What would you say I, to this person?" I would say, in a, a brutally honest, me not holding back, a complete and utter clusterfuck. But at the same time, though, depending on where you get in, you can figure it out pretty quickly. 
but it's still a cluster. It'll, it'll ask you to place importance in things. It'll directly ask the viewer to place importance in things. That don't and then, matter. And then, yeah, don't, the they don't the, matter. At the end of the day, they still don't and never will yeah. matter it, because what happened with Amy Pond, what happened with Martha and Donna, to this day, okay, don't it, mean dick. In the music industry, right now, there's, there's a phase going on where anthemic music is the thing. It makes sure. you feel pumped. Even if you don't care for it, you're like, oh, no, I can see through this illusion. You're like, okay, well, I still feel pretty pumped, though. Doctor Who is like that. It's engineered to pluck your heartstrings, and it does it very obviously. It does not do it in any kind of subtle way, and in some places it thoroughly succeeds And as an example of brilliant storytelling, but it's not something that's consistent enough or that I feel strongly enough about or that I feel it respects its audience enough insofar as how it presents plots and explains its storylines. I would not say to somebody, this is worth your time. I would say you should stop watching. You can drop off. Just feel free to not care. I feel that Lost has some of the best single episodes, relating to time travel, I might add, of any modern series or maybe any television series of all time. Would I tell you that it is worthwhile to watch the whole series over it? Jeez, no. I don't think <laughs> I don't think I could, on good conscience, advise that. Yeah. It won't pay off. Maybe perhaps you could arrange some kind of compilation to string the best ones together and be like, you know what happens after that? You don't want to know. You really just, just stop watching. Enjoy what you had. And Doctor Who, I think it's really something that's maybe best picked through sure. rather than seen overall. When I watch Classic Who now, I don't sit there and watch season to season. I really do pick and choose ones that either I read good things about because I haven't seen them all. But I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to go back. And there's so many things that this is the beautifully met Doctor Who. You can take what you want and leave the rest. It's like comics. Okay. It well, really that's, is that's like comics. I only have yeah. time for consistency. I used to read all the X-Men books. Right. And then as soon as th that necrocious stuff happened yeah, with, like, yeah. and the vampires, I was done. That was the worst. That was the absolute worst. Sure. I stopped reading X-Men for a while. And now it, I have a more tangential relationship with it. I come back and but forth. But that's okay. And yeah. I think Doctor Who is such an institution that that can be a thing. And that's valid. So you can come back at some point if you don't like what's going on now with Moffat and try it again. And you might like it more. And you can always go back to the 51 years of shows that are out right. there and go. And I watch Doctor Who all the time. Like, I'll watch Tom Baker. I'll watch the first Doctor, even though he's a dick. You know, I'll watch Pertwee. I mean, I just jump around and, and enjoy those episodes as gems, as little pieces of the history. And it's a brilliant strategy of the show. Like, I will admit the show's premise, the entire premise of the show, Regenerating Time Lord, who is based onto a god who has lived 1,100 years, blah, blah, blah. It's a brilliant idea. Yeah. But all the best stories have an end. Mm -hmm. They haven't, and I know we're getting close to his final. What? How many generations is he supposed to have? Well, that, well that's they, it, it's actually wibbly wobbly timey wimey. A thing yeah. happened recently. Yeah. And a, half. a thing that happened recently yeah. that dealt directly with it, and it's actually no. a subject of much discussion. Okay, and, and um, that's the thing that we'll leave for another time. Okay, yeah, I, yeah too many retcons. Blah blah blah. This that blah blah that. <laughs> Pretty like, much. Okay, and it's it's almost more offensive than comics. But give me something where the doctor is this close to losing everything in the show and, and they could make the show in forever. I would love to see that. Actually. I, just, I, really I just want more of that. I, I want Understandable. that He is a force of nature. He's not just a guy with a stupid stick. He's a force of goddamn nature whose powers are onto a Goku level, a Superman level. <laughs> you know, you know, they, they, they can't... You are, just, you are ready and willing to open up cans of worms, aren't you? No, no, no. The thing is I am and I'm going to put this thing in, in there but no, like he's, a, he's an immensely powerful being. He's no, immensely powerful. But in all the thing is people, you see things like Batman watches the city and Spider-Man watches Manhattan and then Superman watches Earth and Greenland is this and Doctor Who's like he watches all the time like no screw you <laughs> much he, he very bigger. specifically watches uh, Great Britain mostly in the 20th century exactly when I sat down to watch the, my first episode on Netflix the byline for the show says the classic sci-fi show starring everyone's favorite time traveling doctor and I'm like 
Emmett Brown. No love, no love for Emmett Brown. <laughs> like, oh. thank you for making that decision for me, uh, Doctor Who. Once again, to telling fair, me what I should like and should not like <laughs> before I even watch you. That's great. So fucking smug. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. but it's, again, that's not the show's it's fault. It's like they're taking so, a sonic like screwdriver and they're just jamming into your eye, repeatedly. Like you're gonna love this, you're gonna love it, you're gonna love it. We are running around in circles in timey wimey wibbly wobbly circles. That's what it does to That's what it does to you. It makes you do that. Yeah. Thank you, Tony. Coric and your beloved Samantha. You opened a terrible can of worms. You perhaps opened a crack in time. Yeah. <laughs> but, Great, there goes the universe. We, we hope this was satisfactory. We hope we haven't made you shed any tears. But um, <laughs> Or if they were, they were tears of joy. Right. Hearing literally not a only the Whovians argue amongst themselves, but also the anti-Whovians argue amongst themselves. No, 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 do not call me an anti-Whovian. No, no, not just you. I'm there just saying it stinks. I'm not saying anti-Whovian. I'm just saying it's a big pile of turd. <laughs> this is easily the most argumentative episode of Nerdy Show we have ever sweet ever recorded ever that's amazing I, All right, everybody. I, I look fives. forward to not doing this again for Dennis a very Brooke. long time uh, so to sum it up what message would each of you give to someone who has never seen doctor who and they're hearing mixed things they want to know is it worth their time what would you say to them yes absolutely i think it is very much worth your time it is quite possibly the best intelligent fun that you can have I would say that if you like genre stuff or if you like historical stuff or if you just like having fun and yes, admittedly, there are things that aren't going to make sense. But jump in. I would say specifically, Doug, jump in wherever you want. If you're a completist and you really want to go from one end to another, you can pick like beginning of season what is it, 2005, you know, the, the ninth doctor. But if you're going to start and you want that experience, start with one doctor, just pick one and start from there and watch their seasons and, and go through that arc. And then if you don't like it, try another doctor, see if you like it, go back into the archives and they're all up on, I think, Hulu and they're on DVD, like they're out there and just try a different one, see if you like that. But at the end of the day, the doctor to me is important as a mythical creature as much as Superman to me. Like I hold both of them up in like my esteem and I think they're transformative and, and, and really I love that you said it earlier. They make their companions and they make the people who watch it, I think, more emboldened and better. And I love it. I just, I'm an unabashed fan. I can't hide it. I would tell them, watch the show. I would give, <laughs> no, it's, it's as simple as that. Clearly, this is a house divided amongst itself. People love this show. People hate this show. People love to hate this show. It's, it's a weird, angry beast. I love it. Watch it. It will inspire something in you. Start with Matt Smith's season. The 11th hour is a really good jumping on point. Figure it out from there. You know, I'm not going to say not to like with something you like. That's not what I'm here for. If you enjoy it, enjoy it. You know, I would recommend, I like Tom Baker. I grew up, I remember, I have vivid memories of my father watching, you know, Tom Baker. And I enjoyed it because, again, he was fun. He was, he was witty, but he was a force of nature. But I would say if you don't like shows like Game of Thrones, if you don't like shows like Daredevil, if you don't like shows like, well, let's see here. Anything that has a cohesive storyline that makes sense, the characters have endings, and they get to where they want to go. If you don't like that sort of storytelling, then, yeah, Doctor Who's right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Like with good character arcs, where they, where they grow, and they evolve, and they become something more unto themselves, and there is an end. And there's, sometimes their balls go right through that bandsaw. <laughs> Fellow Whovians, remember that episode where the Daleks are trying to create a human hate hybrid? I think we've discovered it. Congratulations. Where are your tentacles? I see this. Well, um, you look better these days. As for myself, as someone who's never seen any of the old Doctor Who, someone who never saw the new Doctor Who, I just was not interested in the show purely because of all the discussion and the back and forth. I would say if, if I hadn't seen Doctor Who and I just heard all these opinions, 
I'd probably still not watch it <laughs> because I'm like, one person's telling me there's no cohesive story. One person's telling me there is a cohesive story. The only rational explanation is that there isn't because how could you have so many arguments? But after having watched the first three series, I have to say my opinion has changed a bit. I was very against it at first. I really didn't care for it. But by the time we get into David Tennant territory and you see the connecting lines, like you say, pick a doctor and go with it. When they start referencing something that you have already seen, that's when I felt rewarded. If you jump in the middle and you're, you're hearing references to things that you don't know what they are, I'd say don't get too frustrated. I would say give the show a chance. For me, the saving grace of the show, yes, there's plot holes that I don't care about. Rose, they should have gotten rid of her don't like pop. halfway through the first season. Uh, there's all these questions. I, there's things that are so frustrating. But the one thing that has kept me coming back to the show, aside from being forced to sleep on the couch if I didn't, <laughs> is, 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 to be honest, at this point, David Tennant. I can't deny that man's magnetism mm, that has me, that keep coming back to that show. The performances that he gives, he's able to take like Attack of the Clones dialogue and make me go, oh, like I, I can't <laughs> credit David Tennant enough for making that show bearable on yeah. any facet. But. but to recommend it, I would say, <laughs> I would say give it, I'd say give it a shot. And if you don't care for it, it's not the end of the world. And there's plenty of other great shows out there that you probably would like, but you may love it. So I would recommend it because who am I to deny you something you would actually love? I'll say this. Respect yourself. So there's an inclination amongst nerds to be pack rats, and I understand this fully. No one really uh, grasped collect them all as much as I did as a kid. <laughs> but please, if something isn't floating your boat, quit. Be true to yourself yeah, above like, all. Like, I didn't care for it, and I was gone. It's not worth your time. There's so much good media out there. There's more media. There's more consumable stories in so many formats than there's ever been in human history. If you don't like something... Life's short. Yeah, ditch it. There's something better out there. Yeah, I'll recommend six other things before I recommend Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> but that being said, yeah, you might like it. Wait, wait, that like... wait only six? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll name ten things. I don't care. <laughs> can, can we do a hundred? Before we name a hundred things better than Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say, I think that the general consensus is we are decidedly in the middle. <laughs> we, are, yeah. we are passionately... Undecided. I undecided. have no strong feelings one, one way, way or, or the other. other. <laughs> tell my wife, wife I said, said, if I don't no. make it home, tell my wife, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Cork for requesting this episode. If you would like to request an episode, this is actually originally pitched to us as a microsode, which is a 15-minute discussion. Yeah, we realized, yeah, we realized internally that was never going to happen. It's bigger on the inside. So yeah, you, you too could pitch us a topic that we are so involved with that we have to embiggen. But you can do that by going to Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdyshow and funding the entire Nerdy Show network. There's all kinds of perks available, among which is the chance to decide what we talk about for 15 to 30 minutes or in this case, a really long time. <laughs> and if we have the costumes, we will dress up. <laughs> I will say, I feel like this episode perfectly encapsulates the phenomenon of Doctor Who. Where <laughs> if, by the time you're at the end of this episode, if you feel like, well, that didn't really resolve anything. And if you're okay with that, welcome to the fandom. Exactly. <laughs> if you're not okay with that, maybe don't watch Doctor Who. Good point. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yep. That's, that's a good ending thought. We've certainly shared a lot of opinions. And yeah, this is a good stopping point. But the debate could rage on. So hit us up on the Nerdy Show forums or comment on this episode's page with your thoughts on Who. But before you do, check out this track. It's an instrumental from Random Encounter's recent album, Big Blue. This is Ballad of the Three Doctors. It's not only a rocking rendition of the Who theme, but it's also got a bit of Jurassic Park and Back to the Future in it. Thanks so much for listening.
Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Nina. Bye, I'm Brian. Bye, I'm about to pass out. I'm telling you, it's hot. Bye, I'm Briggs. Bye, I'm Doug. See you next time. listening to nerdy show if you like what you heard please rate and review us on itunes or like and follow us on soundcloud as listener supported entertainment we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the nerdy show network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via patreon any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes episodes and images from across the network and there's even more perks available just head to patreon.com slash nerdy show to find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other nerdy show programming visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships You can subscribe to Nerdy Show via iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave a comment, like and share, and follow Nerdy Show on all your favorite social networks. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. If it's geeky, we got it covered. Oh, yes! Oh, God, yes! (laughs) One broke. One of them broke. Oh, exactly like the show. It's broken and it can't be fixed. I'll fix it. Hold on. There we Um, go. Okay, that's better. uh, That's better. <laughs> sonic screwdriver powering the sonic screwdriver. Oh yes, it's perpetual energy machine. Oh well, that. Oh well, of course. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey makes exactly. sense. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.